need connection, accountability, support as you explore the next level version of you, give yourself a real gift this year, the gift of time. The Warrior Women Mastermind is starting again in January, a curated group of six amazing women in a safe, collaborative setting. Think you don't have enough time? The money? Wrong. Ask yourself if you're worth three hours a month and $25 a day. The biggest discovery some of the women who sign up for my mastermind figure out is they have so much in common with other women and that they have traded their worth for a to-do list. Set up your interview call with me by going to lizswatek.com. That's L-I-Z-S-V-A-T-E-K.com. Space is limited and will sell out fast. Don't miss this opportunity to put yourself first. Women aren't born warriors. We become them. And the road to becoming a warrior is bumpy as hell. Each week, I'm interviewing women who, through tragedy and triumph, are leaping for greatness. Get ready to unleash your inner warrior. I'm Liz Swadek, and this is Conversations with Warrior Women. Hello, warriors. As we get older, our relationship with our parents can become more complicated. I have met so many women who have confessed that they are not close with their mothers that their relationship is strained. There's a healing that needs to happen so that we can let go of the past. It's not enough to manifest or have a positive mindset when you're in deep pain. My guest today tells the story of how she bravely tackled generational trauma between her mother and sister through an amazing and very personal documentary. Petite Rat, that's Petite Rat, for you Frenchies, tells the story of one mother's unfulfilled dream and two daughters who tried desperately to carry it forward, no matter the cost to themselves. We're going to talk about the pressure that moms feel to even become moms, our relationship with our own mothers, and how we can heal our past traumas. Remember that in order to heal, you have to feel. It may be uncomfortable, but It's necessary for you to move forward. Sending so much love to all our warrior women as they navigate complex relationships with their moms. Do you hate photos of yourself? Dread photo shoots? Have you ever said, I'm not photogenic? As entrepreneurs, we know that in this world of social media, podcasts, and self-promotion, we need photos of ourselves to connect with our audience. And unfortunately, Many of us aren't happy with the photos we have. Kathy of Kathy Shoe Photography knows how hard it is to put ourselves out there and feel great in the process. Kathy believes it's not our job to be photogenic. That's her job, and she couldn't be more right. I just had my portraits done with Kathy. Through her guided photo shoot, she not only made me feel comfortable, but she allowed me to see the next level version of who I'm becoming. The me I want to be. And that is everything. I ended up with tons of portraits that I love and I'm proud to share. If you're ready to elevate your photos and showcase yourself in a real and beautiful way, contact Kathy for a free consultation at kathyshoephotography.com. 
that's Kathy, K-A-T-H-Y, Shu, S-C-H-U-H, photography.com. Use the code WARRIORWOMEN for $50 off your session fee and tell her Liz sent you. You'll be glad you did. Today, Vera Wagman joins us. She started her career as a dancer with company credits, including David Story, New York, and Pennsylvania Dance Theater, where she worked with such innovative choreographers as Ohad Naharian, Catherine Posen, and Nina Wiener. I hope I'm saying those right, Vera. Perfect. Oh, goody. She left the dance world at 30 and got into film and TV production by making a couple of short films and working with Jason Alexander, who we love from Seinfeld, as a part of his development team. Her documentary, Petite Rat, is currently on the film festival circuit, screening at Cinequest, Vail, Woods Hole, Kibitz Hole, and the Miami Jewish Film Festival, where it won the Audience Award for Best Documentary. Petite Rat starts in the 1940s with a little French Jewish girl's dream of becoming a ballerina. That dream is cut short by World War II, and she vows that if she has daughters, they will become dancers too. 80 years later, she and her two daughters confront the impact of that pledge. Petite Rat is a portrait of three women bonded by intergenerational trauma of war and uplifted by the resilience of familial love. I can't wait to talk about this important work and the work of your life, Miss Vera. Vera, welcome to the show. Thank you, Lizzie. It's so great to be doing this with you. And thank you for inviting me on your fantastic podcast. Well, I mean, I would have you on probably anyway to talk about all the things because you and I have been friends for many years. But when I saw this work of your life, Vera, cried my little eyes out, I had to have you on. It's so it's so personal. It's so raw. It's so real. It's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. So I'm so glad. I, I'm just glad to have you here. So let's talk about how this project even got started. Why were you compelled to tell the story? Yeah, it's a great first question because it is the genesis of everything. It was in 2013 that, you know, I had realized that my mother, my sister, and I, we had all been dancers, but we had never danced together. And I thought this would be really great to do this. You know, my mom was at the time 81 and thankfully she's still with us. We basically got into a studio and it didn't start off becoming, oh, we're going to make a documentary about our life and what ties us together this love for dance and everything that led up to it. And after it, it was more about, let's just get into a studio and dance together and have fun. And, and so we did, we filmed in the Barishnikov Art Center, the very first time we filmed and we rehearsed and we choreographed. My sister, Deborah, who has been such a champion of this, this piece and my mom, Fernand, we all got in there and Deb and I worked on some choreography together. And then I thought, you know, why don't we just have a conversation? So we got into a what essentially was a little round circle. It was a circle of the three of us. Cameras were all around us. And, and there were questions that I knew that I wanted to ask. And some of them were really hard questions for everybody, including myself. There were, there was, it was a very emotional experience. 
but it really kind of blew open the door into this family history of what happened. It started with my mom, this concept of intergenerational trauma, which is very common in children yes. of Holocaust survivors, yes, became a part of the story. And so it took us four years to film. And it took many renditions of, you know, an edit to create a film that was so truthful and that we were all ready to be truthful about. My sister, especially myself, absolutely. And one of the great things about how people have responded to my mom is that they're cool with how she just is. This is yeah. what happened. Yeah. I know I made a mistake yeah. and I'm human, you know, well, let's, let's talk about that a little bit. Because, yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. First of all, I, what I think everybody really will relate to is I cannot tell you the number of girlfriends that I have that really have some problems with their mother. Mm. There's some trauma there. There's some intergener intergenerational trauma. There is maybe not uh, from the Holocaust, but from other things that have happened or ways that things have been handled and it's really affected their relationship. So I think that's what really got me so emotional about your film as well, is that, you know, a lot of mothers and daughters never get to the place where they ask the questions and say the things because they just feel like they never can. And then you never get anywhere. And then the person passes away and the that's it. That's so right. So I think it's so wonderful that even though it was hard conversations and it is a tough subject matter and but that you got some answers, like good or bad, yes or no, good or not good, who cares? Just but their answers so that you can feel like you have that closure. Like, I just feel yeah. like that's so good, yeah. you know, just good. Yeah. It's just good. I'm sorry, but it is. Tell me what it was like growing up with a mom who was a Holocaust survivor. I mean, that is a huge thing. How did that impact you? Well, it's, it's very interesting because... My mother, by the grace of God, did not go into a camp. When the Nazis invaded in 1940, she and her parents, she was an only child in Paris, they fled to the south of France, which was essentially controlled by the Vichy government that was in collab was collaborating with the Nazis. He, uh, uh, Marshal Pétain was collaborating with Hitler, and essentially free France was not so free, but it wasn't occupied, which is also not true. It actually was certain areas. So basically what happened is that my mother, Fernand, her mother, Vera, whom I'm named after, yeah. and her father, Henry, they fled. And they, they were able to do so because my grandfather, Henry, had been a successful shoemaker. He had a successful factory. And he, with his connections, he was able to get to the south of France where they would be hidden by French Christians for essentially the duration of the war. They were, they knew they were very lucky in that way. They survived. There were various points where they were hidden in different places over those four years. When the war was over, they were able to go back to Paris. And, you know, this is such a condensation of so much history, but what happened was, is that my mother, who had been studying to become a petit rat, which is also known as a an apprentice with the, the Paris Opera Ballet, which is the oldest ballet company in the world and truly one of the finest. She had her studies were interrupted 
So when they went back to Paris after the war, she went back to her teacher and her teacher, who was a who had been a former ballerina herself, uh, Olga Preobrazhenska, told her that she could no longer dance because she was, quote unquote, too old. My mother was 13 years old. I mean, right. So we're talking about probable, you know, depression that had sent in that had set in sort of being traumatized as a child by the war, by being hidden. And so, you know, when she had been rejected by Preobrazhenska, she vowed to herself that if she had daughters, they would become dancers. And that is what happened. My sister Deborah and I, we became dancers. But along the, that road came a lot of, you know, there was a lot of baggage to carry because mm-hmm. my mother's lost dream was essentially lived through my sister, who was a child prodigy, you know, and so there was that to contend with. And as far as my mother growing up, my mother is a very positive person. She was also a very fearful, I think, person. And that is common with Holocaust survivors. You know, she didn't think of herself as a Holocaust survivor because she hadn't been in a camp. But and she was so, hidden and had to still de- deal with the fact that she couldn't just be a free person walking exactly, around. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And so looming, the looming threat of what could ha- what could happen. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So that was I think that was something that carried into our childhood, that sense of fear of the unknown and that things could be catastrophic at any given time, you know? So that was a very tough thing to, to deal with. And I think that, you know, as I think about the, the generational trauma, uh, what ended up happening was that I was unable at, at an early age, I think, to, individuate myself from her to create a a separate identity. I was very bonded with my mother in a way with her story. I really carried her story for a very long time. And it was because of that. I really was then be afraid to become a mom because I was afraid that I wouldn't know how to be a mother. I wouldn't that, know how that, to be. I want to know something though. Was that the thing you were afraid to reveal the most in the future? Yes, because absolutely. That when I when you kind of were going down that route in the in the film, I was like, she's never said this to me. Yes. Like and, and we've been friends a long time, and we've had many fucking discussions about all oh, God, God knows what we've talked about. But boy, that was like, I was like, it te- makes me tear for up. Were you even hearing it now? But I was so shocked by that, Vera. I know. Honey, I wish I could have talked with you about it when I... I know, I wish we had. It was a scary thought because, you know, I was was so concerned about societal, how society thinks of women who don't have children. and, And it was complicated. It wasn't just, you know, it wasn't just, I didn't think I was going to be a good mother. I there was a sense of, of an existential threat about it. Like a, like, could I survive being a mother and what kind of a mother could I be to my child or our children who, you know, would just be connected to that history simply by birth and how could I protect them 
from the trauma of that history, you know? So it was a secret for lack of a better word for a very, very long time. And it's something that I couldn't talk about even with my best girlfriends, you know, the people who knew about it, it was my husband, Russell, and that was it. Yeah. And then, well, you also didn't want to talk about it, frankly. No, I didn't. I didn't. It was, it was, it was too scary. It was really a very scary thing to, to share with someone. But I think what happened was near the end of our filming, and this is when I knew we were done filming it was in 2017 and we were in a, on a sound stage and it was both Deborah and myself. We were both ready to talk about the deepest part of this. Yeah. And Deborah spoke very honestly and, and very deeply about her eating disorder that happened as a result of feeling the pressure of my mother's dream coming through her, you know, and, and, that she didn't have the career that she wanted, you know, and that I didn't have the career that I wanted, but then also talking about my mother, her story and what I was just describing about my fear of motherhood. It was an extraordinary pressure. It was a pressurized situation that was ready to be revealed. And we revealed it. I think we actually interviewed each other because my terrific director of photography, Scott Whittem, who is, a very good friend. He's like a brother. I was very ready to ask Deborah questions that I knew that she would respond to. And I, I knew that she, you know, we were looking at each other like, this is it. Yeah. We're going to do this together. Like, this, is this, this is our moment. This is our moment. moment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We're going to make this story. If we're going to make this documentary about our family and, and, and not in a, you know, trashy reality TV way, but in a very truthful way about a subject that not a lot of people talk about, which is this second generation intergenerational trauma, then we're going to do it because we're not going to make, we're not going to do this in a half-assed way, but it took us time to get there. Deborah wasn't ready to talk about stuff in 2013. You know, it took her a little bit of time. Yeah. Tell me, do you ever, I I didn't know I was going to ask you this, but now I have to know. Please. Did you ever let yourself entertain what you would be if you were, or would have been if you were not a dancer? (laughs) Or was it like, no, my mother said I'm going to be a dancer. I'm a dancer. The end. I'm not even going to open my brain up. I'm not even going to let a thought in. That is such a great question. And also a very loaded one, which is, I think what I, probably struggle with to a certain degree today because I was so aware and so keyed into that feeling of my mother. I I am also going to be a dancer. I am going to fulfill her dream, but I fell in love with dancing. It was, you know, to be a ballet dancer to me was the highest art form Honor, possible, yes. you know? Yes. And so I think that I kind of robbed myself of an opportunity when I was younger, because I do think that's such a great question. And it is about becoming a director. I dabbled with directing in my younger life, but I never fully allowed it to come out because I was so, you know, I I have to be a dancer, you know. If I had been much more in touch with myself, 
if I had known my more about my identity, I would have pursued it in a very different way. You know, I just had this uh, woman on my podcast, Rachel Lang, and she came out to her parents Mm -hmm. and they were like, no. (laughs) They did. They said no. No. Oh, my. Oh, you're confused. Oh, (laughs) you're confused. You are so you're so silly. You are just confused and you don't want that life. It's going to be really hard for you. And so she came out and she went right back in. And I just, I've been thinking on wow. that, I'm thinking, you know, as parents, and I'm even thinking of like my own kids, Coco and Landon, who, you know, yes, you, know, you can really speak some things into some kids, you yes. know, versus being open to who are you? What yes. do you like, you know, and yes. I'm try. I try to be careful of that, but let me tell you, every parent does it. Yes. Every parent, whether you could be the best parent in the world, something, or they just put it on themselves sometimes. Sometimes it's like, well, she's doing this. I should do it too. You know, yes. or my dad's yes. funny. So I'm going to be funny too. Whatever, whatever yes. it is. Yes. But I think in your case, because it was her story and because it was in her mind, the way to kind of heal what had happened. Like I was interrupted at 13. I didn't get to leave, live my dream but you can now have the honor of living my dream and I can live my dream. through. That's a whole other layer of pressure. And thank God you fell in love with dance. Yes. Thank God. And I think, you know, maybe you fell in love with her and dance. Do you know what I mean? Like you were, th- you were in love with her and you were in love with dance, right? You wanted to show your mother how much you loved her and you wanted to be seen by her. Right. So that was like the way to kind of get all the things at the same time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. This, this, that key phrase of, of wanting to be seen, I wanted to be seen for, for the individual who I was, but I also had a hard time connecting with who that individual identity was, you know, because it was, I was so overwhelmed by who my mother was and her story and all of that. So yeah, absolutely. Parents are willing or unwilling, you know, like horse whisperers. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes, we are. We are. And I am, I am now because I'm going through this coaching certification right now where I'm learning a lot about like mindset and everything. And it's fascinating to me because I'm noticing how my kids choose to think about situations. So in other words, you know, here's Coco going to her infusion for her ulcerative colitis Right. And instead of thinking, oh my God, I have to do infusions for every six weeks for the rest of my GD life. And I'm just going to be over here and be absolutely sour about everything. No, she goes there. She's happy as I'm like, what, what thoughts are you choosing about this right now? And she, and I make sure I say that, what thoughts are you choosing? Cause it is a choice, whatever thoughts you want to think, yes. make them up and choose whatever you want. Absolutely. And she's, she says, oh, I think. I get to miss a little school. I get to sit in a comfy chair. I'm going to see nurse Tammy. She likes the nurse there. I mean, and I thought it's a bravo, Coco, because a lot of people would say, oh my God, I have to go to this infusion again. I don't want to do it. I hate the IV. Like the fact that you have found things and chosen to have these other thoughts about it makes it a great experience for you. And I think that's the next level of parenting for me. The next level of parenting is making her say, 
Well, what thought, you know, what are you like giving her that awareness, I guess is what I'm saying. Like, I want her to know herself. I want her to feel like, oh, I'm not just like a little cutout of my mother. You know, I'm my own person. I have my own thoughts and I get to choose what those thoughts are. That's to me the next, next level of parenting that I'm working towards. <laughs> well, I think you're doing it beautifully because look at what she's doing. I mean, that's exactly the, the proof. Yeah. That, and I saw that stunning post on Instagram about her and the questions that you asked her. Yes. And I, that just made me, oh, you know, like it, it caught me. Yes. That this is what you want your child to, to do. This is the, it's the mindset. It's the power of your brain, the yes. power of your brain to set you up, to set you up for, for success in life, you know, yeah. no matter what happens to you. Yeah. But my point in also saying that is that your mother gave you the max of what she had. Yes, she did. The max of she what did. she did. Because the, that then they didn't, they didn't know, you know, they didn't yeah. know about all these things. And no. she thought she was honoring you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And honoring yeah. herself and honoring you. Yes. You have the best yes. life. You're going to be an answer. Could there be a right. better life? I don't think so. I right. mean, that's, she was really doing what she thought, you know, was the right thing. Yes. And also for Deborah, the same thing, you know, yes. it became this, this thing. And this is also part of the film that once was, it was a cut previously where we focused a lot more on the sibling rivalry, which was, by the way, I call it sibling rivalry, but it was a very one-sided rivalry. Deborah was leaps and bounds ahead of me. and. Our family and everybody around us knew it, you know, it was like zero in on Deborah and her and her talent. Right. And, you know, the joy that that caused in our relationship, I you know, the so struggles hard. in our relationship. And we had the chance to really hash it out in such a way that, you know, Deborah and I are closer than ever. I mean, it, it, it really, like I said, as tough as this was, I'm so grateful for the chance to have done this. I mean, I'm so happy for that because sometimes I think these things don't always have the best results, <laughs> but in your case, it did. I know so many times you weren't even sure if you were going to complete this film. Yes. I know I know that from talking to you because of the trauma and the revealing nature of it. And I know yes. that causes so much resistance, right? Like we, we're like, I want to put it out, but I don't want to put it out. I'm not going to put that out there. I mean, like you think about it, right? So how do you feel now? Now that it is out there, it's <laughs> finished. Are you so freaking proud of yourself? Like, are, are you just walking around? Like I actually grew five feet taller because you're not the tallest person I know. You now feel six foot four. Are you proud of yourself? Approximately, approximately six four. Um, I will tell you that I feel an enormous sense of pride about this film. We did an Academy screening about a month ago where we had to cut it down again to 40 minutes to qualify for a short documentary. And I want to also just talk about a little bit about my uh, uh, editor, Esther Shabinsky, who I met during the pandemic. And it's because of her and the ability of our, it was our collaboration that got us to where she brought so much light and beauty into this story and in a sense served it on a platter to me and said, okay, do you, is this 
what you want to do? Is this the story? And I know she and I've talked about this multiple times that the very first cut that she did after many conversations between the two of us about the story overall, she was nervous because she knew that she was going to be revealing the stuff that took a long time to get to. Oh my gosh, the pressure of that, I would be freaking out. Yes. She was very funny about that. But I remember the first time I saw the assembly, I was just beside myself. I thought, yes. And I was ready. I was ready to tell the story. But the irony in all of this is that in that moment, which is, uh, I guess, May 2020, when we first started working together, that internally, there have been a lot of ups and downs about, oh, my God, do I go there? Do I do this? And to be very frank with you, last night, in preparation for today, I was like, are you, are you going to do this? Even even yesterday. Now. Resistance is hilarious to me. Isn't it? It's the funniest thing. Oh, first of all, it's fear, obviously. It's Total fear. fear. Right? But fear is a blueprint for me now. Yeah. Fear, fear is, oh, that's where I should be going next. Yes. <laughs> because I realized, oh, that's fear, interesting. Right? There's fear, real fear, like, oh, Vera, we're on the edge of the Grand Canyon. Maybe we shouldn't step over. Yes. We can't go in. We can't step off a cliff. That's not right. But then there's this other fear, right? Yeah. And what is this fear? Like, we're actually not going to die from having this conversation, right? No, we're not going to die. That's not going to die. I, I think it's just this fear of, okay, you're revealing the story to yeah. more people. And, you know, we've been in this virtual world for what feels like forever right now. Time has completely collapsed. And so to do these virtual screenings at these film festivals, one thing, but to now be talking about it in a different way, one-on-one with you, a a dear friend, it's a totally, it's like, you, you can't hide. You can't hide. You have to, you know, I, w- I want to be honest about it, that it's not, uh, it's it's just not been an easy process. No, know? it's not easy because it's also so personal. And I also have to say what I love about you, though, is that that first cut, you were able to put on your director's hat a little bit. Yes. And say, oh, it's beautiful. Right. Rather than going, oh, God, it's the story. Oh, I'm scared. Ah. At yes. least you got to sometimes put on your director's hat and say, look at this beautiful thing. <laughs> yes. You know, yeah. yes, a- that's, that happened to me. It's not the greatest, but guess what? It's gorgeous. And I did it. Thank you so much. <laughs> with, with an incredible team. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, this, this kind of work, it, it's rare that you're doing it by yourself. I had an incredible group, including, you know, my husband, Russell Rothberg, who, you know, so well, Rusty, Rusty, uh, who is not only my champion, but an executive producer. He's a talented writer producer and brought as, so he brought two things. He brought a deep knowledge of who I am, Yes, but his producer hat and would say, you know, you don't know, you can cut here, you can remove this, you can move this around. And sometimes we agreed and sometimes we disagreed, but he was 
so he's just always there, you know, yeah. in such a beautiful he's way. Solid, solid so, man. He is solid. He's solid. He's solid. Well, at the end of the film, we see you and your mother and your sister dancing together. Something that had never happened before, fulfilling your mother's dream. And I, of course, was a mess, crying my face off watching this moment because I was blabber blubbering everywhere. What has been, I mean, you mentioned a little bit about your mom, that people have been very kind to her, but what has been the response to this amazing documentary? I would say I've never had this experience with a project. Everyone who has seen it that I'm aware of, because in in the virtual film festival world, you have no idea how many people see it, what people who don't like it, how they feel about it. What I get, what I've what I've been getting, I've been very fortunate to get just such positive, such connection to the material, to this family, to our family that experienced this intense and very long struggle, and that we were able to come out of it. You know, there are a lot of things about this story that are it's not it's a story that's set against the backdrop of of the Holocaust. It's not about the Holocaust. So we have a mother daughter relationship. We have a sibling relationship. We have, yes, my mother's story, her history as a child. And then we have the dance world and how this was such a big force in each of our lives. So people are relating to different parts of it. Absolutely. Uh, and absolutely. that's been stunning. That has been stunning to hear. Well, it, it, it covers so many fascinating things for me. Like I know nothing of the dance world, except that I do know it to be, from what I've seen, very intense. So then if that is wrapped up in a family dynamic, that's already just intense on its own, let alone it being the dream of your mother yeah. coming from something that was traumatic for her, yeah, raising you in that way. Like it, it really is a really... It's a fascinating look into a mother-daughter relationship and and a sibling relationship. Yes. The parts with you and your sister, yes. you know, and I was glad you didn't, you, you, I, you said you cut the part out a little bit about some of the rivalry, but you touched on that a bit in the film. We could see yes. how, yes. you know, that hadn't been really a hard part of it too, is that, you yes. know, when you're. It's like having, you know, it's like the story of Joan Collins and Jackie Collins. I, I, I watched her documentary and I mean, fortunately for Jackie, she became famous as well. But like for in the beginning, it was like all about Joan. Joan is this beautiful actress. And then there's you, Jackie. Joan is so gorgeous. Look at her on the cover of all the magazines. And then there's you, Jax. You know, and she exactly. talks about that and how hard that was to just be the other sister. And it's like, well, shit, I got things I want to do too. Damn. You know, like, <laughs> it's just hard, you know? Yes. That's very much so. Very much so. And, you know, we don't go into this other aspect of our family, but I have a younger brother. And so there was a lot of, I, you know, I kind of had the classic middle child thing going on. Oh, my God. Yeah. It was either about my sister or it was about my brother. And so, you know. Yeah. You got it from both ends. You just like a little sandwich. A little sandwich. A little sandwich. A little love okay, sandwich. Tell me, how can people see this film? Because you were nice enough to actually send me a link, so I saw it. But how how do people how do people see this thing? And what if people want it to be screened? Like where they are? Like how do we how do we do? I'm going to put it all in the show notes, but just tell us so we know. Yeah, of course. Thank you for that. So the next film festival that's coming up is CineQuest, which is another virtual festival. Tickets are being sold online. When is that? But- that's November 4th through the 14th. 
Okay, so this is going to air on the third, so they can still they'll get the tickets then. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely, okay. and they can go to. So there's two ways. The link is currently on Cinequ on Cinequest, but it's a little more complicated to get there. I can give you that information, but the easiest way probably is to go to my page on Facebook. Vera Wagman, there is a link directly to the ticket buying page, or they can do it through my website, which is, I will say it with a French accent, petitgras.com. That's P-E-T-I-T-R-A-T.com. Yes. And in the screening section, there is a direct link to Cinequest. Yes. And you know what? We did not, I did not ask you, why did you name it Petit Rat? It all begins with my mother who wanted to be a petit rat with the Paris opera. And so the thought was, oh God, it's a French title. People are going to get. But what does that even mean? What does that Pe- mean when you're petit- a petit? Yeah, petit rat is a, um, it's kind of an affectionate term for what is a little rat or a, an apprentice of the Paris Opera Ballet. Okay. So, so there are different levels. You. You're you like know. a little, like a, it's like calling someone like a little puppy or a little. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But they're the, this is the beginning of their career. They're, it's the beginning of their studies and they're in training to become a dancer with the Paris Opera Ballet. Oh my gosh, I love it so much. All right, well, you know what? We're, I'm going to put everything in the show notes so everyone can get the tickets. And and I, I can't, do not miss this film. I'm just going to say, every woman needs to see this film. I'm just going to say that. You need to see it. It is incredible. And it is a, a compelling, beautiful, beautifully told. So I love it. So thank you for even sharing this with us and thank being brave you. enough to even put it out there, Vera. Thank you, Lizzie. Okay, we're now on a little speed round because I got I to gotta know. These are the important questions that are coming. <laughs> what is a mantra or quote you live by? Thank you for asking that question because I literally found this quote. Probably it was during the pandemic and I forgot how it came my way, but it really stuck with me. And it's a, it's a, her name is Aranda Tay Roy. She's a, um, she's an activist. And she said, historically, pandemics have forced humans to break with the past and imagine their world anew. This one is no different. It is a portal, a gateway between one world and the next. We can choose to walk through it, dragging the carcasses of our prejudice and hatred, our avarice, our data banks, dead ideas, and dead rivers and smoky skies behind us, or we can walk lightly with the little luggage ready to imagine another world and ready to fight for it. I love that. That's it really was, good. I might have to put that in the show notes too, because I really like that quote. I will, I will send it to you. Okay, send it to me. What makes you feel unstoppable? When I finish a project, when I finish something. Some people never do. Lots of people. Never. That's exactly right. And you and I talked about this very briefly, but the idea that there are people who I've spoken with and for whatever reason or have read about and they couldn't finish, let's say, a doc. They couldn't finish a film. And I thought to myself, I thought, I don't want to be in that category because I want to finish this. This may be the most difficult thing I've ever finished, but it was imperative that I finish it. I kind of feel like now other things, it's going to be like, 
I'm gonna finish that thing in four weeks. Like, I right. mean, my God, what have you done this? You climbed Kilimanjaro. Right. So now that's like, do you want to hike up the canyon and you want to go, you want to go running canyon with me? You'd be like, oh, hell yes, I do. I can do that. I've already done all that. I can do that. Who do you admire? Well, there's so many people, obviously. How do you, you know what I mean? But when you think, I don't know, when you think about people who are out there right now, who are really changing how things are done and thought about, I, th- I think about this young woman, Greta Thunberg. I think about how at such a young age, she has taken on the system mm-hmm. and she is fearless. I think her fearlessness is fascinating and inspiring, you know, and I literally, I look at her and I think I want to be like her. Yeah. She's got some fears. She got fire. She, yes, she's fearless. Yeah. What are you most proud of? Being able to connect the pieces of this story together and to tell it. And I would say also my relationship with Russell he, you know, that it's, it's such a, a place of love and calm and safety in this world. And I'm just, I'm just proud. I'm proud of it. And I'm proud of him, you know, and what we were, what we've been able to create together. Absolutely. Absolutely. What's exciting you the most right now? I think the direction that Theater is taking the direction that film and television is taking in terms of opportunities for diverse voices to come out and speak and and create and storytell is 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 what's going to create. This is maybe a little idealistic, but create a place where it doesn't become about stereotypes or archetypes anymore. Telling stories, it's humans. We're humans. We're telling human stories. We're not categorized anymore. Well, you've told the ultimate human story. I want to thank you so much for coming on today because honestly, when I think about, I mean, a documentary is one thing, but when it is about your life and about, you know, some painful things, you know, and the fact that you were able to put on your director had enough to get it out there for the rest of us to see it's so you're, you're just giving us such a gift. So I hope you know what a gift you're really giving people by just putting it out there, just putting it out there and letting us go. Oh, I feel that. I feel that I've been there. I have that relationship. I understand that feeling. I feel I, you know, all that, like just letting us have it. So thank you. Thank you, Liz. Thank you for this chance to talk with you about the film and to, just be in a place where I can express what it's been like in such a a great way. Just thank you for your support. You know, I love you always. I love you, V. Love you. Love you. All right. Thank you everyone for joining me today. Remember to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. And if you enjoyed the show, leave us a five-star review. This is the Conversations with Warrior Women podcast with me, Liz Swadek. And remember, every woman has a story. You just need to ask her. Bye.